Hello, welcome to Critical Line Item. Um, my name is Tom Rablick. Thank you for joining me for this particular podcast. Now, the banking sector uh, is of great interest to people at the present time because we've got interest rates that seem to be rising every time the um, rising or pausing every time the Reserve Bank opens its mouth. And also, there are a range of challenges the financial services sector has faced during the uh, coronavirus, which appeared to be um, sort of easing out just a little bit. Uh, most of the accounting firms in this country uh, at the top end released their periodic reviews of the banking sector. And I'm talking to EY today, and uh, one of their senior financial services partners, uh, Doug Nixon, who will be taking us through the findings of their particular bit of survey, their particular publication looking at the bank results. Doug, thanks for talking uh, talking to me today. Hi, Tom. It's great to be here with you today, and thanks for having me back. No, no worries. Absolute pleasure now. But it, I guess the, the, the headline uh, of your uh, public statement says major banks walk challenging tightrope but still deliver solid results. Um, can you justify your headline for me? What have you seen and observed? That's a good good way to get us started. Thanks, Tom. Um, so you're right. Uh, uh, our analysis uh, is essentially saying that Australian banks, the, the big four banks, have delivered generally positive half-year results, but it is clear that they are facing challenges ahead in an increasingly uncertain and volatile environment. So just some key stats for you. Statutory earnings for the industry have increased on average 10.8%. Net interest margin, the all-important NIM, has increased 17 basis points. And credit provisions have increased by 4.3%. And that's underpinned by our very resilient Australian economy that has continued to support credit growth and credit quality, while cash rates have helped drive up higher revenues and NIM expansion in the half. Now, the other side of that statement, however, is that retail credit growth compression is creating a very, very competitive market, both in uh, retail products and deposits, and that's impacting things like funding costs, NIM, and, of course, inflation, which you mentioned at the, at the top of the show, is continuing to challenge banks' operating costs as well. So the banks really are walking this tightrope at the moment and are going to very carefully need to balance capital allocation, pricing, and funding decisions to navigate the market ahead. We we'll talk about credit growth in the report itself. What are you what are you observing in the sector at the present time in terms of growth in the credit space? Uh, so so Credit growth is slowing, um, and that's having Tom essentially effect that you're that we're seeing in the headlines um, almost every day at the moment about competition, uh, competition amongst the banks. So, for example, in in the um, in the retail space, we hear a lot of noise about uh, cashback promotions that a number of the banks are executing to chase market share. But the interesting thing about this, this pursuit of market share now, because that overall market isn't growing as quickly, um, in order to 
get and maintain market share, institutions are having to sacrifice profitability. And there's a lovely byline that keeps on coming up um, from the banks about um, some mortgages getting written below the cost of capital, i.e. in the pursuit of growth in this, um, in this slowing market, institutions are willing to sacrifice profit in order to maintain market or grow market share. How much is the, you know, the, how much are we observing some degree of the stress among the, the, the borrowers out there? Because there was a great movement towards people borrowing money during the coronavirus pandemic when interest rates hit a you know, record low. Um, what are you, what are you observing from the, the institutions you speak to about the, the kind of loan stress out there? Uh, so very good and very uh, topical question, Tom. And it's just a, a, key, a key number that I typically look at um, as we look through the aggregate results is what the banks are doing with their provision levels. And provisions are essentially a forward-looking looking indicator of potential losses, not actual losses, but potential losses that can be occurred on assets um, uh, in, in, um, in the future. And that has ticked up. Um, uh, we, it was a, there was a big ramp in provisions um, at the start of COVID, and then slowly it kind of, they were getting wound back, and it's ticked up again, i.e. the banks are expecting um, losses to increase. And we're certainly seeing a lot of evidence of that um, out in the out in the broader market, a lot of people are starting to feel the pain of rising interest rates. Not only on, um, not only in terms of rate resets for for um, on mortgages, for example, but also in their overall um, general cost of living, um, cost of living, offsetting that, however, and um, where we can expect further volatility is this very, very um, resilient Australian economy. Uh, and, and until um, and this increasing in um, this, um, this battle um, that the RBA are fighting with the, the inflation dragon uh, to try and get it under control again. And that is going to dictate further rate rises, which will continue to put stress on, um, on asset quality uh, for major banks' customers and for the major banks themselves um, you know, over the next 12 to 18 months. It's very important that the RBA slay that inflation dragon. In the past 12 to 18 months, we've seen... I think it would be fair to say greater community awareness of the need to check their private information. That is, you know, the the things that are critical to their digital ID um, online, and then cybersecurity is being spoken about more often and more readily by government. Uh, what are you noticing in relation to the bigger end of town with respect to cyber security? I'd imagine there's a there's a bit of activity there uh, to try and make sure that uh, that 
the same mistakes that we've seen made by other entities aren't made by the banks. Tom, that is a case of a, a never-ending a never battle uh, that actually started, um, you know, in the, in, the, in the early days of, of the internet and, and before and will continue to play out for the remainder of our, certainly the remainder, I'm expected to play out for the remainder of my life. Financial institutions are always going to be um, a target uh, for malicious actors um, domestically, internationally. And so it's not, it's not new that these financial institutions have allocated capital and investment and resource to, um, to solve and to battle this, this particular war. The Chief Information, Information Security Officer, the CISO, is a long-established um, you know, a long-established role of the major banks. They've been allocating capital to this space for a number of years, but we are seeing that investment ramp up as we, we see a number of high-profile cyber attacks across the broader Australian economy and in the, in the financial services sector as well. And this is nothing that's unique to Australia. This is a, a global trend, uh, in my opinion, reflecting some of the geopolitical tension that we're seeing um, that we've seen emerge over the past decade. One of the things that uh, you don't necessarily cover, and I know you've covered it in previous banking surveys, but I don't think it appears as much here. I think it's the, the question of ESG and ESG disclosures. Um, is there any update on how the banks are gearing up to grapple with sustainability standards and similar? Uh, so, so, you know, it's a good question, Tom. And we've certainly seen, I'll, I'll, I'll give a contextual statement first and then I'll, I'll um, give you a reason for that in a second. We've certainly seen over the, over the past 12 months hiring at major banks slowing down. And part of that has been um, to try and contain costs, manage costs more aggressively. Uh, one area that we have not seen that effect as much has certainly been in the ESG space. There has been active hiring for a range of roles um, in ESG across the broader market, and that has continued as well. And that's everything from people to look at um, disclosures, how disclosures are generated, um, uh, the requirements for those disclosures, how they're published out the market, the control environment surrounding those disclosures, all the way through to things like um, uh, ESG credit officers to be able to better um, assess and quantify ESG risk in the credit portfolio at these major banks. Uh, it is definitely a space that is evolving very quickly and will continue to evolve. And it is a space that the banks are investing in, despite some of the broader cost pressures that have been hitting them over the past 12 months. Doug, there's a, obviously there's a bit more material in the actual publication itself and, and other things that EY has put out on banking. Where do people find the current uh, update on banks, they want to go look for it themselves. You can certainly go and have a look for uh, the Australian Bank half-year results. Just pop on to ey.com and, and plug it in the search there. Um, and otherwise, I would recommend getting in touch with your local EY contact. 
Doug, thanks again for joining me. It's been a pleasure talking with you again and uh, look forward to chatting to you next time. Tom, thank you for having me again. It's been a pleasure.